0: You are listening to the good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin with the good news. Hey,
1: it is Angie Austin along with my friends, the God Squad, here. And we've got one of my mentors joining us on the phone to do an interview about his, it's like 44th book or 43rd. Or I don't know, once he hit 40, I'm like, it I'm tracking these anymore. Have your people tell me how many it is because I can't keep up with him. It's getting crazy. <laughs> so the new book is The Art of Influence. My friend is Jim Stovall, and uh, you've probably heard Jim on my show many times. We became friends years ago on this show, and I did an interview with him, and I was kind of thinking about maybe not doing radio anymore, and he reached out to me, and he said, you know, I do these interviews every day, and I speak all over the world, and your interview is one of the best I've ever done, and he really encouraged me to keep doing what I do, and now I do a weekly interview with him. He has a column every uh, week called winners Wisdom. This last week it was called Don't Be an Idiot. Thoroughly enjoyed that. His new book is The Art of Influence. And if you don't know Jim's story, when he was a teenager, he planned on became, be, being a professional football player, but he was told he was going blind. It took several years for that to happen. He realized he could do Olympic weightlifting and be going blind at the same time. And then he started the Narrative Television Network. And I think they've done seven movies now on his books, but numerous movies that he works on uh, to enable people who can not see to be able to watch a movie through hearing what's going on on the screen and he also is an international speaker uh, of some prominence so I feel very blessed that he joins us frequently love you Jim Stovall welcome
2: and it's not early in the morning, so it's fabulous.
1: I know. Normally we're on so early. So interestingly enough, the Good News Gals have turned into the God Squad because we have Rob Loman, who's a Christian and recovering addict who helps others, and Eric Reamer, who's a fellow radio host uh, of many years and uh, was a colleague of mine, and I've been having him join me quite often recently. Michelle Betts, one of the Good News Gals, is here, and Jennifer Bishop. So you're going to hear, Jim, when you talk about your new book, The Art of Influence, all of us kind of joining in and asking you some questions. Does that sound good?
2: Absolutely wonderful.
1: Did I, did I describe you well? Did I leave anything out? Oh, your beautiful wife, Crystal, because she's been with you ever since. I mean, she really has been on the whole journey with you.
2: Yeah, she's. Uh, she believed in the uh, for better or for worse, and uh, she jumped on board when it was worse than better. So uh, yeah, we've enjoyed the whole ride.
1: I'll never forget you saying that. I'm like, well, how did Jim get – how did, like, you become this – Extremely successful financially, you know, uh, uh, lucrative business you run, and you know. And he told me he was shopping with Crystal, and the the checker said that he needed to put something back, and had she had to go put a loaf of bread back. And he said that will never happen to my wife again. Mm, Is that right, Jim?
2: Yeah, I didn't know what I wanted, but I knew that I just didn't want to ever be poor again. I never wanted that feeling again, and uh, you know. So I stood right there in that grocery store line, and determined if it's legal moral and ethical i don't care what it takes i am i'm not going to have that feeling again and we never have
1: yeah now crystal can have all the bread she chooses to eat
2: yes in fact uh you know she was my first employee and i told her if you will stick with me till i can afford to do something else then you can do whatever you want so she plays competitive tennis and is on the ballet board and travels extensively and uh, she is helping our government she she goes to new york several times a year to stimulate the economy, and she's doing a really good job up there in the retail sector. And then she heard they were having trouble in Europe. So once every spring and once in the fall, she goes to Europe and helps them prop up the euro over there. So <laughs> She's a, a giver. has been doing a wonderful
0: she, job. She's a, she's a, a giver. <laughs> she's hey, Jim, this is Eric. Uh, you know, I've read a couple of your books, in uh, particular the ones on productivity. Uh, I'm kind of one of those lost causes when it comes to that, um, but I'm you know we started uh 2018 you know a year and a half or a year i guess a year ago started calling 2018 the year of the influencer and your new book the art of influence tell us what 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 are you thinking uh in in the putting out of this book
2: well you know um my publisher had asked me to write a book on leadership and i did a little research i I found out that uh, you and I are probably the only two people on the planet that hasn't already written a book about leadership. (laughs) So I thought, I need to do something else. And we're not led as much anymore as we are influenced And and we don't even realize how much we're being influenced and how we're influencing others. And, you know, the the, the number of ads and things we see on social media and the more subtle things – the average uh, 18-year-old graduating from high school just from watching network television has seen hundreds and hundreds of murders and rapes and robberies and That's all right. these things. And I'm in the television business, and I, I'm proud of our industry, but I spoke there two years ago, and I told them, guys, we've we got to quit lying to people. You know, you can't tell them watching all this bad, evil stuff doesn't affect Anyone, but if you'll give me thousands and thousands of dollars for thirty seconds of commercial time, I'll sell a lot of toothpaste or peanut butter. You can't either it either it influences or it doesn't, right. and we, we've got to be aware of that and uh, you know and it, and it clearly does influence people and uh, you know and, and the, the influences are much more subtle. I mean, my university training is in psychology and probably one of the most dynamic studies done reveals that uh, we become the sum total or the average of the five people we hang around with the most, because we do influence either, each other and our income, our thoughts, our beliefs. Actually, the way we talk, the language we use, everything is influenced by people we hang around with. So the art of influence is just to help us. It's a tool to help us be aware of how we're being influenced and uh, have a little more control over that, and then become proactive in how we're going to influence others. Mm. Oh. As
1: in, you, you've told me on many occasions that you're in the hope business and that you hope to influence people daily through messages, whether it be through your network or your radio interviews or your book. So that's your choice of how to influence people, which I want to delve into a little bit more because I just watched the um, – um, Fred Rogers documentary, and he talked yeah. about influencing children to teach them that we all need love, and he wanted children to know that they were worthy of love and capable of loving others. And really, his message, yours is hope. His was love. Very simple. Um, do you think that you're having an impact with your message of hope, and how do you go about doing that?
2: Well, probably the biggest way we've influenced people. I mean, I, I have 10 million books in print, and the weekly column, and I get to talk to you every week, and then other radio people, and then, but probably the biggest influence I've had is, of my 40-some-odd books, eight of them have been turned into movies, and uh, I thought books and novels around the world were a big influence, but it pales in comparison to what, ha- what uh, you know, a big movie release does for you, and, uh, you know, and then the work we do in schools, there's over 2,000 schools that uh, teach my book, The Ultimate Gift, the novel, and the movie based on that in the classroom. And, you know, that's such fertile ground, because when we learn something, we change our own life. When we teach someone, we change theirs. But when we teach people to teach, we change the world, and it, and it perpetuates, and it never ends. And so that's an influence that uh, will continue long after I'm gone.
1: Mm-hmm. So what makes someone influential?
2: Well, someone becomes influential when others allow them to have influence and it's not always positive and 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 we don't even always do it intentionally. I mean, uh, you know, the Kardashians are influential and uh, <laughs> you know, and the only thing we can do is to be aware of that. Yeah. And uh, you know, some of these people who are famous for being famous, become influential just because people allow themselves to be influenced by that. And, uh, you know, all I hope to do is tell people, if you want to be influenced by that, go ahead, but at least be aware of it and and live your life a little more on purpose instead of uh, just being uh, susceptible to anything that happens to come along.
3: Jim, this is Jennifer, and um, just, boy, I'll tell you, the ultimate gift was my favorite and movie and book. And um, so thank you. Thank you for, you know, putting your thoughts and your, your heart in a book and then, you know, how cool, like you said, um, it had been made into a movie. My question for you is legacy. You know, I'm about legacy. And, and so when you pass, because we're all going to pass, what would be your ultimate legacy that you're going to leave the world?
2: Well, first, I want to thank you, Jennifer, for your kind words about The Ultimate Gift. That has been a gift in my life. I I never thought I'd write a book, and I, I agreed to write one, and they kept selling, and they wanted more, and after I'd written seven, they requested another book, and I'd written everything I knew and a few things I only suspected, so I decided i better make up a story, <laughs> so I wrote The Ultimate Gift, and it, I wrote it in five days here in my office between my meetings and calls. and. Then the movie people came along from 20th Century Fox, and that changed my life. But when I look at that project, or any of the others, and I look at Legacy, I made The Ultimate Gift, and then I wrote The Ultimate Life, which was the second book and movie. And then the third and final installment in the the trilogy of the the three movies was The Ultimate Legacy, Mm. because uh, that character in that story, played so well by James Garner, Mm. Uh, he was a billionaire and wanted to pass his values on to his grandson. And, uh, you know, anytime you give anybody in life valuables and you don't give them values, it's like giving them a loaded gun. Amen. I mean, it's, it's dangerous to give kids or anyone resource without responsibility. Well, he tried to correct a lifetime of that in the first movie. In the second movie, Jason had to learn where did this come from and what does it mean? But in the third movie, The Legacy, he had to learn how to pass it on. And we really haven't completed the cycle of giving and receiving until we have figured out how can i maximize this gift i've been given and then give it on to someone else so you know in 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 my world um... you know my legacy was probably given to me by my grandmother who late in her life uh, was on her deathbed and had told one of her nurses that uh, she was proud of what i do and i told the nurse I don't even think she knows what I do. And the nurse said, oh, yeah, she's got a picture of you on the bedstand next to her, and it's you holding the Emmy Award. And everybody that comes in here, doctors, nurses, everybody, she tells them, that's my grandson. He only does two things. He helps blind people see television, and he... Travels around the world and tells people they can have good things in their life. And, mm. you know, if I live to be 140, that's what I'll be doing. And when I'm gone, I certainly hope that's my legacy. Wow. Mm, thank
3: you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Well, you, you silenced the crowd, <laughs> <laughs> Jim.
3: And that doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's a it's a beautiful thing that you're doing uh, there, Jim. And, and as I'm looking at your website, jimstovall.com, uh Wow, you've just got one thing after the other, after the other, the pro- of course, the books, the products. When do you find time to do life?
2: Oh, my, my work is my life. I, I, um, I love what I do. I, I've gotten, because of narrative television, and we started with classic films because back then that was all I could get to air on cable TV was narrated classic films for blind and visually impaired people. And so I got to interview a lot of those people, you know, Katherine Hepburn, Charlton Heston, and Frank Sinatra, but I remember late in his life, I got to interview George Burns, and he he said, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Hmm. And he said, all these years, I've been having fun on stage and on screen, and I just keep thinking somebody's gonna wake up and pull the plug at some point and tell me, (laughs) I don't get to do this anymore. And I, I love what I do. I and I I have a lot of great, great people around me. I can't do anything without them. I mean, I'm very cognizant more than most people. This is a team effort because as a blind person, from the time I leave my house until they get me back home, I am with one of my people who takes care of me. I can't, sure. I can't even... Uh, Uh, leave my front porch without holding on to somebody's hand. So uh, I get that. I mean, I've written uh, uh, 40 books, but I don't know how to type or read or write. So when you write books you can't read that are turned into movies you can't see, you become really, really aware of the fact that uh, there's a lot of great people here that make this possible. And I I just remain grateful for that, and uh, I love what I do.
1: I think one thing I've learned from Jim, too, is very intentional. You know, he has different files, like where he has plans for the year, and he really puts things down on paper for the future, and that he has meetings with his people about... Um, they can only fit so much into his day and into his week and so they decide where they can have like the most impact positively or you know who they can work with that has a similar message uh, to theirs and then they narrow it down from there about how much he can handle to put on his schedule.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah and I I think that's critical I mean you know we don't even go to the grocery store without a list mm-hmm. because we don't want to waste our time and effort and energy but you know uh, everybody in our society, we spend more time planning our three-day weekend than they do what are we going to do with the rest of our lives. And this is not a practice game right here. This is the Olympics and the World Series and the Super Bowl all rolled up into one. And if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, I get so many requests to do things, and they're all good but a few of them are great and still fewer of them belong to me. That's what I need to be doing. And, you know, we have to focus on those things. So, I mean, there was a time in my life, nobody wanted me to do anything. And so when people started wanting me to do things, I said yes to everything. Well, uh, there, there comes a point where if you say yes to everything, you're saying no to the very best things. And, uh, and thankfully I have people that help me with that. And, uh, And, uh, you know, I've learned that magnificent two-letter word now. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, because if it's not perfect for me, I think it means there's someone out there that ought to be doing this.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Jim, you do a lot of, you know, Fortune 500-type speeches and speak in front of groups that maybe you don't necessarily talk about your faith, but I know that faith plays a big part in your journey and your role of helping others and that a lot of the reason that your success has been so satisfying for you is because of how much you you give away to others.
2: Oh, yeah. My you know we compartmentalize our lives uh, as a way to look at them or kind of measure how we're doing and that's okay here but from a god perspective from a human perspective we don't have a faith life and a family life and a and a you know a, a financial life or a business life we have a life and you, you know what do you gain if you gain the whole world but you lose your soul I mean, how much money can you make and lose your family and call yourself a success? So to me, I can't separate my faith from any other part of my life. That's that's like I... When I traveled around the world, I realized I cannot separate the fact that I'm an American. I mean, it just has changed every part of my life. If I'd have been born in France or Dubai, I would look at the world differently than I do. Well, my faith, it just is a part of everything I do. It's not something I take out on Sundays and uh, (laughs) put away. It it used to be. But. I used to be a religious person, but then when I was diagnosed that I was going to be blind, you immediately go from religion to relationship. And right. that is a, a powerful transition that, unfortunately, sometimes we've got to go through a little bit of hell to find our way to heaven.
3: Hmm. Jim, this is Jennifer again. Um, so I, I love um, people that I just adore and, and look up to. Who are some of your biggest mentors in life?
2: Well, I develop every time I do something, Jennifer. I I, I, I draw out my dream team, you know, and it's mm-hmm. I look at the world like it's uh, it's it's prom week, and I'm going to start with the homecoming queen. I mean, I
3: you Go know, big, I, right? I
2: have been turned down by the best. I can assure you, in every area of my life, <laughs> you too. But uh, uh, when I started going into the the finance business, I I called on uh... people who are now friends to be my mentors my dream team uh... warren buffett steve forbes michael markovsky when i went into the tv business i started with people like ted turner michael and junior and these people remain on my advisory board and then when i got into the movie business Thankfully, I got to work with amazing people like Rick Eldridge and Lewis Gossett Jr. And, mm-hmm. and Peter Fonda, and uh, most recently Raquel Welch, and uh, and they've become friends and mentors, and I, I I've learned uh, so much from them because, uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer in reading and learning, but there's nothing that helps you climb the mountain. Like uh, talking to someone that's coming down from the summit that's already been there. And mm-hmm. and I'm a big believer we should never take advice from anybody that doesn't have what we want. Amen. And uh, <laughs> you don't find that easily. I mean, the people on late night cable TV or who uh, clog up your inbox and your email are probably not the mentors you're looking for. you you got to go mm-hmm. out and find
3: them. I don't even mm-hmm. watch. I don't even watch TV. I haven't watched it and I don't even know when. <laughs> Good for you. All
1: right, Jim. So uh, The Art of Influence, your most recent book, um, your website, as Eric mentioned, com. Any parting words for us, any words of wisdom that Jim Stovall would like to leave us with?
2: Well, I, I just think, you know, we need to sit back and think about life as being this magical, miraculous thing. And 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 you can have and be and do anything you want to do and the biggest dream you ever had in your life is alive and well and the only thing you got to do to activate it is sit right where you are right now and say yes i'm going to do that and you go into that little voting booth in the middle of your soul that only you and god know about mm-hmm. and you vote for yourself and you'll find out then he voted for you a long time ago mm-hmm. and uh, the dream would not have been put inside of you if you didn't have the capacity to achieve it so we can live our dreams and dream our life, and uh, it can all start right now. It's that easy.
1: And what's that thing you always tell me, what would I do right now if I were amazing?
2: Yes. Oh, I've got to think, I'd have you, right you on my show. Amazing? And if you'll take the next call, the next letter, the next meeting, whatever it is you're doing, and ask yourself, what would I do if I was amazing? You'll change that moment. And if you change that moment and change this day and this week, before you know it, you just had an amazing life
1: jimstovall.com if i were amazing i'd have you on the show so apparently i'm very amazing Love it. thank you jim you, you yes. are amazing and she you is all are, and
2: thank you so much for allowing me to visit with you
1: thanks friend god
3: bless
2: the good news of jesus for you in high definition radio and streaming at
4: 670kltt.com this is kltt commerce city denver
5: Rejuvenation on the Rocks is a cutting-edge medical facility in Greenwood Village that will have you looking and feeling your best. Roxy O'Brien transforms lives using a non-surgical revolutionary treatment called Cool Sculpting that targets, freezes, and eliminates fat cells in the areas of your body that are resistant to diet and exercise. With this non-invasive and effective procedure, you will start to see a difference fast. And the best part is that as a good news listener, you will receive a buy three, get one free special on your Cool Sculpting package. Call Roxy at Rejuvenation on the Rocks at 720-328-9094 720-328-9094 or go to rejuvenation on the rocks that's rejuvenation on the R-O-X.com, to start your cool sculpting package and be sure to tell roxy that you are a good news listener to receive your special pricing deal
4: Hi, this is Producer Dave. Hello, friends. How are you? Welcome back to The Good News with Angie Austin and Friends. This is, like I said, Producer Dave, and uh, this is the next installment of my amazing author series that I've been doing. Um, Angie can't always make it in for these recordings, so what I do is I book these, and I get to talk to some pretty incredible people. I've been talking to more and more amazing people, and this is uh, no different, um, although this is our old friend Nina Rosner. Uh, You may remember her. um, She came on for... uh, 101 ways to treat your husband, 100 ways to treat your wife, and she's got a ministry for women that kind of it has marriage training, and now she's out with this new lesson, this new book called 12 Truths That Will Change Your Marriage. And hello, uh, welcome to the show today, Nina.
6: It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me back.
4: Yes, of course. It's always great to talk to you, and I know even people... Um, even people with uh, really rough marriages or, you know, even people with really easy marriages still need to work at it every single day. It's not easy. Um, I know like with me, it's just come really easy. The past, you know, 13 years with my wife have been uh, just incredible and we barely even ever squabble and we have really good communication skills, but there's still hard times and there's still little things and that we have to work at it every single day. And that's kind of where you come from, right? Even the best marriages need work, right?
6: Yeah, and part of the reason your marriage is good is because you're doing some things right, and you're doing them. Because if you stop doing them, then things have a problem, so good for you.
4: Right, well, thank you very much. But not everybody is like that. A lot of people feel alone in their marriage, or they feel like um, you know everything's dedicated to the kids, or, or somebody is too dedicated to their job. or There's a lot of things out there. There's a lot of problems with people, and this book kind of delves into some of those.
6: Yeah, and it has some solutions, too. It's a book for women, and it's part of the Respect Dare journey that um, started with Thomas Nelson back in 2012. But this book has um, some ideas and some deeper thoughts than the Respect Dare does.
4: How so? Because I know the Respect Dare... I mean, the whole thing... I'm sorry, please refresh us. The the Respect Dare, though, is also... It's kind of like... um, a challenge to everybody as a way to respect their spouse or something?
6: Yeah, it's for women to respect their husbands. And there's 40 dares. And some of them are easy and some of them not so much, but they're very doable. It's kind of like a devotional experience. But we wrap our training method at Greater Impact around what the book does. And so it's, it's experiential and it changes a lot of people's lives. It's Super cool! I love what God does in the middle
4: of it. Yeah, so it just kind of opens your eyes to things that you may not have even noticed that you were doing that that you right. were disrespecting your spouse, and you didn't even mean to. Uh, oftentimes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, and then this next one, the t- twelve truths, um, it kind of goes deeper into those those the key fundamentals that you find during the during the dares.
6: Yeah, some underlying uh, premises or concepts that really fuel why certain things, uh, quote-unquote, work or help. You know, the the first one, which I think honestly is uh, one of the most important, if not the most important, it says, what you really believe about God and the Bible impacts your relationships. And my guess is that that's part of why you and your wife are successful
4: Right. Maybe. I mean, I know that we agree, uh, you know, I mean, we don't agree on everything, but um, <laughs> yeah, we definitely agree there. So that's that's maybe one of the fundamental bricks to it. And then, um, you know, you just kind of go from there. And and like I said at the beginning, um, you know, even people who have really good solid relationships can still get something out of this because they'll still learn something about how they react within the dynamics of their own relationship. Isn't that right?
6: Yeah. So one of the truths is build a friendship even when it's difficult. And I think one of the things that is hard about friendship within your marriage is that you know when you when you first start spending time together when you're dating, you know you're really into each other, everything's wonderful. The other person can't do anything wrong. And then that limerence, which is actually a physiological condition like a dopamine addiction, you know, the happy hormone, <laughs> and I can do it hormone, um, that wears off after a while. And then those realities of, huh, maybe I really don't enjoy fly fishing, and he still does. You know, the things we try on and then you know look at is, yeah, yeah, we just start you know, separating a little bit. And the problem with that is that the relationship can start to decay as we lose touch with the friendship so we're either putting things and in effort into the friendship or it's dying and that's really really sad because that's where the you know, you know the trust comes in and the safety and the security in the relationship is actually based on that friendship
4: right right and you mentioned something important there i think uh, you may, you used the example of fly fishing and not everyone likes fly fishing and even half of a couple can like fly fishing and my, my wife and I actually talk about this and I think it is another fundamental thing about what keeps us together is she likes certain things and I like certain things some of the things are the same and some of the things are different but that's okay like we allow each other to go like our things separately so that we can still get that joy from that and do you, do you find that that's a good tenant to a relationship too?
6: Yeah and the interest that the other spouse shows in those things like my husband when I go horseback riding, sometimes he comes and he hates horseback riding. He just <laughs> hates it. But he'll come out to the barn and he'll, you know, bring work or a book or something like that and I'll go ride and then, you know, we'll we'll go there together. We'll leave there together. And he, I'm not mechanical and we have a boat. Uh, it's just a little fishing boat. Uh, but I don't, I don't know anything about i can break an engine you know in a heartbeat and (laughs) yeah my daughter won't let me touch her sewing machine but the you know i go sit with him while he's working on it just to spend time with him and i don't understand why that is but he feels the first time i did it he was like gosh that was really fun thank you so much and i didn't i hardly said anything to him i just stood there while he was working on this boat engine and it meant a lot to him. And so, you know, we have to think about how can I serve my spouse relationally also. You know, it's one thing to get somebody a cup of coffee, and it's another to be interested in, hey, how was your horseback ride? Or, you know, what are you, what are you doing this weekend? What, you know, are you golfing? And, you know, that kind of stuff. Or how was the game? You know, asking questions, being interested in them as a person is super important. as part of it.
4: Right. That's so cool. It always amazes me at how little the things are that make the biggest difference like just standing there while he's working on the engine, or while he, you know, is going to come to the barn while you go ride your horse, and uh, I think that's really cool. And you know, you don't always have to love it, and you don't have to do it every single time, but it's right. those little things that make a really do make a huge difference.
6: And it's the little things that destroy the relationship. Also, you know, John Gottman, Dr. John Gottman, out of Seattle, Washington, he has a institute where he researches. Marriages, And he's been studying these same couples, over 400 of them, for over 30 years. And one of the things that um, he calls them sliding door, sliding door moments. So you have this opportunity to, be like, five seconds where you see your spouse is feeling a certain way, and maybe you were on your way to go, you know, get a sandwich or, you know, you're, you're walking by, you want to go read your book or something, and you notice that they're sad about something, and you have a choice to make in that little itty-bitty moment. And enough of those choices that are engaging with your spouse and relationship based, that's what builds your relationship. And if you have too many where you make selfish choices, then you have people going, I don't spend any time with you, I don't feel like you know me, I, I don't feel loved by you, you know, that's the that's that path. And so we have to make the good choices and sometimes the hard ones, but they're the ones where we, you know, died at our selfish wants and Interact over things that are important to the other person.
4: Well, I think that's great. That's such amazing advice. How did, just curiously, how did you get into this? Did you just find that you're like, oh, every relationship I have is perfect, and so I think I should yeah. teach everybody about it?
6: <laughs> I really wish that were true. Um, golly. So, yeah, so I grew up in broadcasting. My dad owned a couple of radio stations, and I love the whole communication element of you know, radio, and I love public speaking, I ended up getting a master's degree in communication. And that was purely by accident, a completely other, different story. But I worked for a company, when I got out of school, I started working for a company called Dale Carnegie Training. That's one of the oldest and largest training corporations in the world. And they do public speaking and interpersonal training. And I realized that so many of the um, principals were uh, Christian based and a lot of them were very values driven, and I wanted to pursue more of that. I started studying, and you know, I got married, and we uh, <laughs> were sitting around with a bunch of friends one night, and somebody had this stupid idea where we're going to rate our mate. And so, you know, they were like, "Okay, so give your marriage a, a number. You know, zero to ten. Zero is it's terrible, and ten is it's awesome." And I was feeling pretty lonely. I did. I was uh, really involved with a lot of uh, selfishness and, you know, really self-focused. Was in in early 20s, so that, you know, that's not that yeah, uncommon. That's but, um, you know, I was miserable, and I was looking to my husband to fulfill all of my emotional needs. And so when it got to our spot, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't want to say. And I got pushed. They insisted. I said, okay, it's a two. And, you know, that just kind of killed the moment for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wanted My husband looks at me and in front of our friends, he says, so I would have given us an eight. I take it we need to talk. And I said, yeah, that'd probably be good. And it took me a while to figure out that um, I was looking in the wrong places. But I studied relationships as part of my degree program, but I, I realized that there's a number of really basic premises that if we get and we understand, we can really improve the relationships all around us, not just with our spouse. And there's also some things that happen with our spouse that don't happen in other relationships. Like, I can... Um, what I call it, white knuckling. I can put on a happy face. You know, I can do the right thing. I can schmooze some communication skills even when I'm, you know, not wanting to do that at that moment with that person because I disagree with them. But I'm, I'm choosing to listen well and choosing all those things. And the person will never know unless I'm in a really close relationship with them. And we have these itty-bitty micro-expressions where in a fourth of a second, there's a flash across my face and just a tiny movement and my spouse will know that something's not quite right here. And so while I'm lying about how I'm feeling because I know it's the right thing to do, my spouse is kind of going, "Uh," and then they don't trust me as much. And so those little things really add up. And so teaching people Learning, first, learning how to speak the truth in a gentle way so I don't destroy my husband, you know, my kids and all that. Learning how to do that is really important. And then um, being able to help other women, which is what we do now, uh, be able to do the same things while telling the truth. You know, it's just super important and it impacts your relationships differently than uh, when you're at work or in small groups or, you know, that kind of stuff.
4: Right. Wow. That's. This is exactly why I love talking to you. You always have such insightful things to say about relationships, even solid relationships or difficult relationships. And it's nice to know that everybody, even people that are really good at it, um, go through their hard times too. Um, but so you you mentioned, uh, so, I'm, I'm sorry, let me reset here. Really, This is producer Dave. You're listening to The Good News. Uh, this is my next installment of my uh, amazing author series. And I'm talking with Nina Rosner about... Uh, her new book, 12 Truths to Change Your Marriage. Now, Nina, you earlier it said that the first tenet you think is the most important, the first truth in the book is the most important. And you said that was where you're, uh, as long as you kind of both agree on where you stand as far as church and Jesus and God, right? Is that kind of what you said?
6: Yeah. And, and there's, you know, underlying all of that is, you know, do you believe that God has your best interests at heart? Right, right. You know, is he good? See. <laughs> um, And if you're, you know, following Christ and that's your motivation uh, for doing things right, you will stay engaged and work on your marriage because you made an oath, made a vow to the creator of the universe. And and that's your motivation, even though you'd like to, you know, just be done. And so you have to figure it out. And I love that because if we will stick with it, your research shows that five years later, even if you had a hard marriage, difficult thing, things are better. So, toughing it out is actually a really good idea.
4: It's great. That's great advice. I mean, I think that a lot of marriages need to a little bit of toughen it out before you decide that you just need to go somewhere else or end it or something like that. I think that's very important because um, it's not always easy. And yes, it is work, but it's worth it in the end. So, uh, maybe give us a one more example of another truth that might get somebody to be interested and maybe want to go get the book.
6: So, one thing is about social media and. Uh, what you're putting into your head, you know, what what are you spending time looking at online? we our culture is more depressed, more anxious. We have more mental illness than any time in our history, and it sky it started to skyrocket when social media and cell phones became a thing, common. And what 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 that is is it's is comparison so I get on social media and I see my friend and their crews and how happy they look and I you know I had an argument with my husband I burned my toast this morning and so I'm sitting there feeling like a loser and here's my friend and everything's perfect in her life and I scroll to the next photo and yeah same thing and as I'm doing that if I spend an hour to an hour and a half a day on social media with the scrolling I'm actually rewiring my brain to not think deeply and what happens with that is that not only do I have a comparison going on, but I'm also looking at images that are not true. Everybody else is not perfect and happy perfect all the time, right? But nobody takes pictures of their dirty laundry or, you know, the dog throwing up to and put on their Facebook account, right? That's not what they're posting. So we have this false sense of perfection and what happy looks like, and we compare ourselves to that. And then when our husband comes home, and you know, when we're interacting over something, he's not like that photo series that I just bombarded myself with and have done that every single day for the last however many months, years, whatever. And so we start sowing seeds of discontent in our own hearts by what we choose to expose ourselves to. And we start limiting our ability to have executive function in our brain by the short attention span theater that social media is, that scrolling activity is actually really bad for us. It affects our memory, and it affects our ability to interact in healthy ways with other people.
4: Wow, that's really... I mean that's pretty intense just to think about. I mean I know a lot of people have problems with it, but I've never heard it put so like that that it's such a big problem. I completely agree. I think I uh, see a lot of people kind of compare themselves to other people who are lying on social media about how awesome their lives are anyway. Um, you know, just like I like you said, you know, I'm not going to do the the dog poop I have to pick up, but I'm going to do you know when I go on vacation. And so like everybody kind of does that a little bit you put uh-huh. your best self out there and it's kind of expected to the p- keep your best self out there but but uh, yeah you can't compare yourself I think that's one of the most dangerous things you can do and I man I think that's such great advice and um, we're getting really close here to the end of this interview Nina and thank you so much for being here uh, why don't you tell our listeners where they could get the book and why don't you tell them you know uh, where, where they can see you and what's coming next and where we can meet you or if anyone would like to contact you
6: Thank you so much. It's great to be back here. We are greaterimpact.org, and we have some free resources on our website. And one of our, our big things that we do right now is a Strength and Dignity eCourse where we teach women how to turn conflict into connection and deflate defensiveness and re- rethink respect. And so they can find out more about that at greaterimpact.org. And we'd love to interact with any of your listeners, and thanks for having me back
4: yes thank you thank you again and we always love having you on the show and um i'm sure we'll be able to talk to you again and everybody go check out what nina's doing next check out 12 truth that can change your marriage maybe it'll help you and uh and go check her out at greaterimpact.org um and so thank you i think it was yes greaterimpact.org and thank you again nina and uh, we'll be right back with a little bit more good news
1: and ArcDrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. ArcDrift.org, shopping with a purpose.
4: I love YMCA of the Rockies is the place to take your family. It's like a destination vacation in your own backyard. This year at SS Park Center, we'll be hosting family snowshoe hikes, backcountry ski meetups, outdoor winter survival trainings, winter ecology hikes, and much more. We'll have guest speakers, excursions for every level of experience, and demos by popular mountaineering equipment brands. Visit ymcarockies.org for more information. That's ymcarockies.org.
1: Hey, Angie Austin here. You're listening to the good news. You've probably heard Roxy O'Brien on my show. She's been a friend for years, and I also use her services, and uh, so do some of the other good news gals as well. So if you want to lose stubborn fat and with no uh, downtime, you just go in for an hour for cool sculpting. And then there is uh, uh, the option of fillers to make you look younger, which it's amazing what fillers can do these days. And uh, uh, various laser treatments and also Botox. And good news gal, Michelle, you've done the Botox. I have. And boy, I I fought it forever and ever. But I suddenly looked at some pictures and thought, oh, wait, that just... Really? Is me? And um so I did do the Botox. And again, when you're a hundred like I am, anything helps and it really helps to have um the Botox right in the middle of my forehead. It's been tremendous. You don't have to scowl and her prices, the best. Her that you've had. price and I my husband is the most frugal person in the world and I investigated prices. Her prices are by far. By far. Yeah. Which, again, made me kind of think, okay, now is she really good? Yes. She's really good. She is really good. I've known Roxy Roxy for years. All right, Roxy, you do have a deal for us, too, for Botox?
5: Right. So we're going to do $9 a unit for anyone calling in for Angie Austin's show. Um, And then the Cool Sculpting, we're doing 25% off. So um, we're advertising that on the radio as well. Um, So the 25% off is going to give you an amazing package. And then we have our little ways of getting extra coupons for you extra money off Um, and it's only for people who do they say you know i listen to angie it's for people who call in and and they state that so we're not going to give it to just everybody yeah not
1: everybody
0: gets that deal
1: so roxy
5: (laughs) what are some of the cool things that you've been doing and if you guys have questions good news
1: gals and Guy, uh, feel free to jump in. I got I know in trouble. I, da- I
0: got in trouble because I put fillers in and that's what happened. So now oh. I need the cool sculpting.
1: It's now you're full. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm yeah, way you're full. You're very
1: full. You're very full. So, that, as far as um, the cool sculpting goes, uh, Monique was talking about it last time, another one of our good news gals. And she had um, some stubborn fat, you know, after she had three kids. Uh, And she just could not get rid of it. And she said it worked so well for her. She went to you.
5: Yeah. So her and her husband came in, and her husband's the one who did all the research online and (laughs) their story. This huge man comes in. I'm like, he's
1: a former football player. He's enormous. And you're like, you don't want cool sculpting, do you? Because that could take hours. I can't
5: do cool sculpting (laughs) on you. And he goes, you can't do it on me. I'm like, no, I, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, I'm just, I, I, I was serious. I, I told him, I'm like, I cannot cool sculpt you. Um, but Monique came in and, um, you know, they both had a lot of questions. I answered them, you know, I'm not pushy or I'm not a salesperson. So just really went over it realistically and what she could expect. And, um, she's thrilled, you know, we did her just one applicator on her lower abdomen and she was very happy. So it's good to hear, you know, happy clients, of course. And, the cool sculpting is it's amazing i mean it's it's overtaking liposuction because it's non invasive non surgical you know, there's over 7 million performed in seven years. So that kind of says something. So I love the treatment. I love seeing people's, you know, transformations. That's the thing. And I mean, anything in life, we like to change, you know, we like to help people. And I'm, I'm a helper, no matter how I can. I'll, I'll help somebody on the street. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I gave all my gift cards that I was going to give to family and friends to these people on the streets. And I'm like, Oh, here you go. And then here's this. And the teenagers sitting there getting a a, a Snapchat or what they call it Snapchat of it as I'm giving this um, homeless like, person this on the street I'm like do I have an apple and and she's like, like aren't this those is, for other people
1: there goes your Christmas present you know, gave it I away know. like
5: sorry you're, 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 you're happy so
1: I've known Roxy for years She said I-25 in Arapaho Rejuvenation on the Rocks and that's R-O-X for Roxy rejuvenationontherocks.com uh, so right there in that tech uh, center Greenwood Village area real convenient off I-25 and you know lots of different different uh, uh, procedures and a lot of these are just lunchtime things that you just go in and then you can go right back to work. I know with the cool sculpting, that's like no downtime. So compare that to liposuction. No wonder it's so popular. Right,
5: exactly. So you can just give us a call at 720-328-9094. Um, we can answer questions and then our emails are nrbody at gmail.com.
1: R-N-R-B-O-D-Y.
5: So, like rest and relaxation body, RNR body at gmail.com.
1: RNR body at gmail.com. Rejuvenation on the rocks.com. And just tell Roxy that Angie sent you and she'll give you the best deal. Thanks, Roxy. And she's a Christian. That's an extra That's bonus. Right.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to the good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com.